The Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast is sponsored by U.S. Bank. Embracing what makes us unique creates more possibilities for all. Learn more at usbank.com diversity. U.S. Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast. Registration to the 2021 Forum on Workplace Inclusion annual conference will be opening soon. Visit our website for more information or to join our email list at forumworkplaceinclusion.org. The Forum on Workplace Inclusion Annual Conference is the U.S.'s largest workplace diversity, equity, and inclusion conference. Help us bring our vision to life where all people in all workplaces have equitable access to everything they need to feel valued and thrive. We hope to see you there. We get to engage people, advance ideas, and ignite change because of the generous support from our community. If you find our resources meaningful or valuable, please consider supporting the forum today. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. Thank you very much for your support and generosity. With that, I'd like to say thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. You help support the growth of the podcast and reach new listeners. If you like what you're hearing on the Forum Podcast, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've already written a review, thank you. Please consider sharing our podcast with a friend, family member, or a colleague you think might find value in the content. Word of mouth is the best way the Forum grows, so thank you very much for listening and sharing. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Hello, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast, How to Welcome Faith-Oriented Diversity in a Workplace, A Better Way, with Brian Grimm, Paul Lambert, and Kent Johnson of the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation. I'm Ben Rue, Program Associate here at the Forum on Workplace Inclusion. Companies are increasingly intrigued or concerned about the growing emphasis on religious diversity at work. Increasingly, company leaders are realizing that for many employees, it is their faith more than any other single factor that defines their core identity. When corporate culture constrains them from referring to their faith at work, they feel devalued and forced undercover. They feel they can't be themselves. They can become alienated from their work, yet many business leaders have no idea how to approach the topic of faith and belief in the workplace. They wonder, what are the best practices in this area? What are the pitfalls to avoid? What can slash should be done? At the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation, they have been working for years with companies that are trailblazers in religious diversity. They can report that there is a better way. And in this this podcast, we'll find out how. Listeners will learn best practices through an overview of successful and diverse religiously inclusive workplaces. Brian J. Grimm, PhD, is president of the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation and a leading expert on how faith and business build a better world. He is also the global chairman of the biannual Business and Interfaith Peace Awards and Symposium. Brian recently served as chair of the World Economic Forum's Global Agenda Council on the Role of Faith in 2015-2016 and was a speaker at the forum's 2018 annual meeting in Davos, as well as being a TEDx speaker. Brian also supports and works closely with the Business of Peace platform of the United Nations Global Compact. Brian's recent widely reported research finds that religion contributes $1.2 trillion to the U.S. economy annually, more than the combined revenues of the top 10 technology U.S. companies, including Apple, Amazon, and Google. Brian is also a member of the Society of Human Resource Management and a speaker at the annual Formal Workplace Inclusion Conference. Paul Lambert serves as secretary slash treasurer and senior business fellow at 
the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation. He is helping to develop the foundation's in-company campus-based executive education seminars on religious diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Paul Lambert is an executive education specialist and former assistant dean at Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business. Kent Johnson is a senior corporate advisor for the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation and a management consultant on religious diversity at work. Kent works with RFBF to help companies adopt and practice best practices regarding religious diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Kent Johnson recently retired from his role as senior counsel at Texas Instruments Incorporated and now serves as a consultant to multinational companies on topics related to religious accommodation and faith in the workplace. We're so excited today to be part of a podcast with the Forum on Workplace Inclusion. Uh, we were part of the event that happened right before the coronavirus shutdown, and a lot has been happening, a lot of good things across corporate America in terms of diversity and inclusion, uh, and in particular, religious diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, uh, and joining me today are Paul Lambert and um, Kent Johnson, who are going to share more about uh, this exciting movement and, and sort of building on the things that we shared about at the last time we could all get together uh, at the forum. Paul? Great. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I'm really grateful to be here uh, with you and Kent and grateful for the forum for hosting this podcast. Uh, before we jump in, uh, let me just extend the invitation to our listeners to join us on December 3rd at 1 p.m. Eastern for an online summit, How Embracing Religious Diversity Inclusion Strengthens Workplaces. And that conversation will really be an excellent follow-on uh, to what we're discussing today. So into the content here, uh, we, we've spent a lot of time over the years looking at the role of faith and belief at work. One of the many things we've learned time and time again through data and other, experience, and other experiences, including the experience of the companies that we work with, is that addressing faith and belief at work is more than just the right thing to do. It's also good for business, with the most obvious benefit being fulfilled, committed employees giving their best to, organization, to their organizations because they feel like they can bring their whole selves to work, including their faith. As companies realize this, they are eager to figure out how to address faith and belief at work. Now, in our work, we're often approached by these companies that are either starting their journey uh, to address faith at work or trying to improve their initiatives that are already underway. And we get a lot of questions regarding how to address this, uh, be it what are the right steps to start? Who are the right stakeholders to engage? How should we talk about it? How do we engage other groups? Should it be specific to one religion or should it be interfaith? Lots of questions uh, we, we get every day about how to do this successfully at companies. Now today, uh, we get to explore many of these important questions and others with Kent Johnson. And I'm grateful that Kent uh, has joined us today. Kent brings wonderful experience uh, in his career as, as senior counsel at TI uh, and has been advising on, on this, of course, since then. Uh, Kent will share a framework to address faith at work with a specific application to standing up employee resource groups. So Kent, let's jump into this here. To start us off, let's talk about the current state of affairs when it comes to faith-oriented inclusion in the workplace and why companies are discovering the need to address this. There are many companies that are doing a great job in this space, like Salesforce, PayPal, American Airlines, and many others. But what are some of the challenges that they're facing? 
Thanks, Paul. Well, let me uh, let me start with a broad cultural context. Uh, we're all aware that the pandemic and the divisiveness of politics have driven people into bunkers and tribes. It's intensified a tendency to isolate from people of different cultures, backgrounds, and faiths. People seem more suspicious of others than ever. And this is happening at a time when workplaces are becoming even more diverse. At the same time, there's cause for optimism. As Brian mentioned, COVID has moved some very diverse people to collaborate in amazing acts of selflessness and kindness. People across a broad spectrum of beliefs and backgrounds who've never worked together before joined in common cause to make and distribute things like masks and ventilators and vaccines. They work day and night to improve logistics and give moral support. One very diverse group that's doing this is called COVID X Now. Google it. Every week they gather together to share reports of collaboration and selflessness. This is heroism, it's encouraging, and it's unifying. My point is this, workplaces bring diverse people together in common cause. This is where some real relationship can take place among diverse people. Increasingly, as was mentioned earlier, in our workplaces, religious diversity is in the spotlight. More and more companies are wrestling with religious diversity at work. Company leaders are recognizing that for many of their employees, it's their faith more than any other factor that defines their core identity. And yet at many companies, religion and belief are considered inappropriate topics of conversation. People feel constrained from connecting their faith to the work. They worry that if they told others about what forms the core of their identity, they'd be criticized and rejected. They'd be labeled as narrow-minded or superstitious or intolerant or something worse. They feel they can't be themselves. The message between the lines seems to be that their faith is something to be ashamed of. Sometimes people of faith and atheists feel like they can only relate deeply with people who are like them. And then there's the fact that insensitive expressions of faith can offend people who don't share those beliefs. So that's kind of the setting that I'm looking at here. So Ken, you've, you've just, just recently here, you're talking about how employees experience their faith at work, um, both negative uh, and positive. Talk to us a little bit more about that. You know, tell us more about how, how this is impacting uh, employees specifically and, and what they're seeking in their work experience. Sure, Paul. You know, uh, in a lot of the human resource literature and in companies worldwide, you're seeing a deep yearning today for authenticity, for sincerity. People are looking uh, to, for leaders to speak their hearts and to be transparent, looking for deeper connections. There's lots of discussion about the need to engage the whole person at work. Psychological safety is a topic and uh, the need for leaders to humbly listen to one another, to people lower in the organization and, and to take uh, constructive criticism. And you hear about overcoming bias, conscious and building these stronger relationships with one another. And all these topics are closely related to people's faith and beliefs. And yet many business leaders, as was mentioned earlier, really don't have any idea how to approach the topic of faith in the workplace. It feels scary and they're wondering what are the best practices? What are the pitfalls? What can and should be done? 
and their misunderstandings about the legal requirements. When does religious expression cross the line and create an oppressive environment? When do restrictions on religious expression violate people's freedom, uh, religious freedom rights? These are legitimate concerns and questions. But at the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation, we have found that the worry is largely unwarranted. These concerns can be readily addressed. What's holding companies back is not these issues, but a lack of knowledge and a lack of sound coaching. And so today we're going to be able to provide some, uh, some, of, those, uh, some of that coaching uh, to our listeners. Thanks, Ken. So you've talked about some of the work that we've we've been trying to do at the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation on on helping companies, you know, address this that they they don't have to worry that it's that's all for naught. There's no way to address this successfully. Um, so let's let's talk about this a little bit. Um, you know, we've have in, in the companies we've worked with, we have some good trailblazers that have that have addressed a religious diversity, equity, inclusion, um, and because of this, of course we've seen this, we can report that there's a better way, that there actually are successful models for addressing faith at work. Uh, and they're diverse, um, meaning that you don't have to have a specific company or a specific company makeup to make this work. There are many ways to, to uh, apply uh, successful principles. So Ken, let's talk about you know, the experience we've had at the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation uh, learning in this space. You know, we've developed a framework to help companies navigate faith and belief at work and and to, to do this successfully, to develop successful initiatives. Ken, can you talk, can you talk us through this framework, what, what these major principles are and, and how, what, what principles companies need to be thinking about when they're thinking about this topic? Glad to do it. You know, um, I have nine coaching points on this and they say you should only have three points in any talk, but frankly, we just have too much ground to cover. So I'm gonna ask you all to take notes because this is pretty powerful stuff. My first point is this, from the very outset, as you begin any what if management discussion about religious expression in the workplace, make it very clear that this would be part of a larger emphasis on valuing all employees, all individuals for who they are. The big idea is that the right to be yourself at work extends to people of all faiths and beliefs and to atheists. A corollary to this principle is, the faith, is that faith-oriented communication should always be voluntary. It's up to the individual. Now this sounds simple, but it's hugely important right at the beginning. This is about freeing everyone to be authentic and transparent. Second point, <clears throat> consider how freedom of religion and belief dovetails with your business priorities. I'm gonna give you two examples, but the foundation has had many, many but these are, these are illustrative. PayPal issued a statement when it launched its interfaith employee resource group that they call Believe. And the statement includes this, quote, all employees have the right to bring their whole self to work. Faith and worldviews are core to who we are, our values and beliefs, and to how we conduct business. Let me pause there for a second so we reflect on this. <clears throat> you, uh, uh, normally, many people just think of religion as something that's done on uh, a holy day, a Sunday or a holiday, something you do in the privacy of your own home, maybe, or with your family, <clears throat> but they don't think of bringing it to work. 
but <clears throat> PayPal gets it. They understand that it's core to how they conduct business. And their statement goes on, quote, the mission of Believe is to foster an inclusive work culture and to promote holistic well-being by providing a forum to openly exercise and celebrate all faiths and worldviews while working. Believe exists to create awareness and understanding of faith, hope, love, empathy, respect for one another and service toward our customers, communities, and coworkers, end quote. Boy, I love this. It shows that this is a company that gets it, understands that faith is really at the core of how they work, how the employees relate to their work and how uh, good things get done. Texas Instruments is another example, one that's close to my heart because of 37 years working there as a senior lawyer. And their faith-oriented diversity initiatives all have the same basic uh, reason for being. And here's uh, some excerpts of what, uh, what they do. They exist to promote a collaborative and respectful culture, to recruit and cultivate talent, to stimulate innovation and engagement, and to give back to their communities. Now, just think about that. They're looking at their faith-oriented diversity initiatives to help recruit and cultivate talent, to stimulate inventions and engagement. And this is a high-tech company, and this is crucial to their core business. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my, my point is the focus on religious diversity should be seen as part of the company's core business strategy. This isn't about some isolated hobby horse project. It's not about stocking the freezer with chocolate ice cream because employ most employees like that flavor. This is at the core of your company's mission, and it shows your company's passion for its most valuable asset, its people. And this isn't just about what's happening in our companies. And focusing on religious diversity, we're building a culture of civility that has legs. Our companies are producing cultural byproducts that impact the world outside of our workplaces and apart from our products and services. People are learning how to connect more respectfully and civilly as they work side by side in a world racked with bias and tribalism and distrust. This matters. So your emphasis of, on faith and belief should dovetail with your larger business priorities. That's point number two. So the third point is clearly define your intentions. Advocates should explain why they're enabling religious expression at work. There shouldn't be any hidden motives. In addition to the business cases that I just mentioned briefly, many others, a lot of companies express purposes like these to support company values like personal integrity, goodwill, psychological wellness, to foster bridge building across cultures. Keep in mind, this is not just about making religious people feel comfortable. This is also about fostering cross-cultural relationships. This bridge building goes far beyond just mere tolerance. It's talking about building close relationships. It's also important to explain what the focus on faith and belief is not. This is not a Trojan horse designed to enable a particular group to dominate. Wherever that's happened in history, it's been a mess. And we're not pushing employees to say that all beliefs are equal. Diversity is not about making everybody the same. 
We've got to create a culture that enables diverse employees to engage, to learn deeply about one another and what makes one another tick, <laughs> to remain true to their core beliefs and to disagree civilly. So define your intentions, clearly state why you're doing it. Point number four, focus on the grassroots. Often a workplace discussion of spiritual identity starts with informal, unofficial grassroots events that emerge spontaneously from your employees. Now you might think that there's no grassroots interest in faith expression at your company, but often the silence is caused by worry that people would frown on any discussion of faith at work. You probably would be surprised to learn that behind the scenes, religious and spiritual skunk works are already underway in your companies. Now, the point is, it's far better to have this going on out in the open than to have it taking place in the shadows as if it's something to be ashamed of. When we say the grassroots is important, don't misunderstand. There's certainly a lot that top management can do to nurture this environment toward authenticity. Business leaders and faith leaders can officially encourage people to engage openly with anyone who's interested to learn about their core identity and beliefs. That's great. But the enduring and most impactful work of building trust and civility takes place outside the C-suite in thousands upon thousands of personal interactions characterized by a humble desire to learn about one another's ultimate why. The grassroots is where this transformative change really happens. So get in touch with it. Point number five, persuade your leaders and don't force it. You know, it's often counterproductive to try to force leaders to permit religious expression by citing the minimum uh, legal requirement of reasonable accommodation for religion or by threatening disciplinary actions. Compulsion can lead managers to just check the box by doing the bare minimum to meet the requirement. It's far more effective when leaders are persuaded of the business benefits of religious expression and genuinely advocate it themselves. So obvious question, how do you persuade your leaders? Our advice to you from the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation is we encourage you to use real life personal examples, firsthand accounts of bridge building and what's, what that's meant to coworkers at your company or elsewhere. Personal experiences are transformative. Now, we've got a lot of stories like this that we can share, and we'll be talking a little bit about them later. Seeing people's lives transformed by this movement is the reason why I have devoted my life after TI to this cause. I'll just mention a couple. I have seen Jews and Muslims and Christians, Baha'is, Sikhs and Buddhists, Hindus and atheists, eagerly learning about one another's core principles and beliefs and becoming fast friends. Between LGBTQ people and advocates of traditional faith, I've seen walls of distrust and fear dissolved by deep respect, kindness, and warmth. One public example of friendships across sectarian lines struck me recently, and it's very public, you've all seen it, discussion of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her relationship with Antonin Scalia, left and right, Radically different views of the law, and yet a friendship and kindness and warmth and appreciation for the other person's point of view and the other person as a person. 
this is transformational stuff and it's happening in our workplaces just like it's happening in the Supreme Court. So that point is to persuade your leaders with real life examples. Don't force the issue. Point number six is this. Document a vision of what it would look like day to day to openly encourage employees to integrate their spirituality into their work. Include specific proposals, not just generalities. You know, you can just talk with general philosophy and people don't understand, don't get a real clear view of what you're talking about, but include specific proposals. Uh, every week, uh, a group or every month, a group gets together uh, to share reports from different Christian employee resource groups uh, and, and what was going on in their companies. And some of those include this, uh, joint outreach activities among diverse faith-oriented employee resource groups to the community, like tutoring, food for the poor, outreach in times of crisis, a unified multi-faith voice supporting the rights of those who are underappreciated, regardless of their religion or belief system or race or status or sexual orientation or spot on the org chart. These kinds of common messages, people of various faiths gathering together for a common cause are transformational. You see relationships build as people do this. Educational programs, this is an interesting one, spotlighting relevant faith doctrines that are shared by many established faiths. For instance, integrity, ethics, truth-telling, forgiveness, compassion. There's, there's one faith-oriented group that focuses on what they call integriosity, blending integrity and generosity. You know, the golden rule, treating others as you would like to be treated yourself, is a principle that's shared by all major faiths. Principles of humility and openness to listen to constructive criticism, especially from people who are not like us. And you can see a terrific example of how religious doctrines relate directly to work in the materials created by an organization called the Productive Muslim Company. Google it, it's fascinating. And there are many other examples. Uh, and then there's the question of holiday observances. You know, we tend to brush this off. Hanukkah is just their ver the, the Jewish version of Christmas. Well, no, it's not. Let people talk about the, the traditions behind those religion, uh, those holidays. It is not trivial. So these are just some examples, some ideas. The point is that you should begin to assemble a specific vision of your own. Point number seven. Define reasonable processes. Now, I know some of you, your eyes are rolling in the back of your head saying, ah, process geek. But uh, this is important stuff. First, before officially embracing religion as part of your company's diversity focus, follow a defined initial decision-making process to help management weigh the issues and make appropriate plans. Among other things, look specifically for leaders who might be apprehensive about the idea of religious expression at work. Don't bypass them. Don't think like you can get your allies together and kind of spring it on them and surprise them and they won't be able to say no. That's a bad plan. <laughs> Seek them out. Urge them to meet regularly, regularly with people who are advocates and to build relationships with one another as they wrestle with this. Many people have had bad experiences with uh, so-called organized religion. They've been hurt. They felt put down and condemned. It's crucial to listen to them 
and to be careful not to offend. Now, this vetting process is crucial. It isn't necessarily easy. Among other benefits, it serves as a demonstration of the need for a focus on religious diversity. You see hurt that you never realized exist before. It also serves as a demonstration of the feasibility of building bridges. I can tell you from firsthand experience, when people of different beliefs and perspectives come out the other side in unison with a proposal and with warmth toward one another, that's transformative. And it's happening in the workplace. Then there's processes regarding internal communications. You need to have a carefully planned internal communication about this idea, especially when you're announcing a new policy or approach of diversity emphasis. Don't just announce that your company's launching a new faith-friendly program. That can be misinterpreted. And provide for ongoing executive sponsorship and guidance. Now, this is not to police and restrict your faith-oriented ERGs. Executive sponsorship reinforces the fact that this is an important strategic effort related to the good of the company's business. So those are the thoughts on process. We move to point number eight, next to the last. Help people of various faiths equip their own constituents to interact well when they're communicating about spiritual matters at work. A lot of people of faith just don't have the tools. They, don't, they haven't thought about talking with the other, other people of other religions. Don't impose thought police. Help them coach their own, leveraging their own religious principles. Among other things, uh, you, would, you should encourage them to be careful about religious jargon that would be very confusing to others and urge them to communicate out in the open. Secrecy can lead to unwarranted suspicions about ulterior motives. What are those people of that particular faith doing over there in the corner and nobody else can hear them? Do it out in the open. I'll give you an example. At Texas Instruments, we have a Christian business mentoring open to everybody. And we had a lot of people interested in this program. People of other faiths audited the course or took the course, whatever you call it, and came out the other side applauding it saying, I don't agree with the theology, but boy, those principles are great. I think we ought to encourage this. That is a unifying uh, experience. Finally, I get to the last point, which is right from the start, seek expert advice. I'm uh, going to toss uh, the ball in a moment uh, to um, Paul to, to close on this point, but I would point this out. There is a book coming soon. The Religious Freedom and Business Foundation has collected voices from across corporate America, voices of people of many faiths and backgrounds. For a book that's soon to be released, our essayists, many of them C-suite executives, describe why this is important. The book title is The Faith in the Business Movement, 10 Principles Defining Its Success in Corporate America. You will see lots of personal stories like I was talking about before and beyond that. The principles include a lot of the ideas we've discussed and more. We drill down a lot deeper into why it's good for business and cite data to support that proposition. We talk about chaplains at over a thousand US companies, why it's good for health. Uh, and as science shows that opening uh, people to allowing people to discuss their faith helps their health, and the fact that it won't go away, demographics and other 
signals indicate that there's no question religion is here to stay in our workplaces and in our in our uh, societies. So now I'll, I'll toss it over to Paul Lambert to provide more information about how the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation can help with, with this point, this last point, uh, to seek expert advice. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> this has been fantastic. Uh, what a wonderful walkthrough of the, frame, the framework and these principles of, of helping companies stand up a successful uh, way to address religion, uh, faith, and belief at work. Um, I think it would be helpful just to, for me to just walk through those nine principles again. Um, there's so much content in there. Um, I'll say, so number one, we had faith and belief should be part of the larger emphasis on valuing all individuals for who they are. Uh, number two was considered, consider how freedom of religion and belief dovetails with your business priorities. Uh, three was clearly define your intentions, why you're doing what you're doing. Four, as you said, was begin at the grassroots. Five, persuade your leaders, don't force it. Six, document a vision. Seven, define reasonable processes. Eight, help people of various faiths equip their own constituents and nine seek expert advice. And thanks for tossing it back. Um, you know, we at the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation have worked really hard to put together training to help companies do just this. And we've had a lot of fun working with companies across the country uh, that are focusing on how they can incorporate uh, faith and belief into their diversity, equ equity, and inclusion initiatives. Uh, and we've seen wonderful impact uh, across the companies that we worked with. Uh, the training that we've that we focused on really talks about knowledge. You know, what's the business case for this? Uh, why is it important? Uh, what's the data behind it? Uh, we talk about skills. You know, what does it mean? How do you how do you develop these environments of accommodation? Uh, what are the principles of play uh, to do that? And then we we end on action, right? So what are you going to do? Uh, what is the what what can be done tomorrow? What can be done at a organizational or enterprise level? And then of course, what can be done at the individual or team level? So you know, seeking expert advice, as you say, Kent, is just, is just crucial. Uh, and and we, we've seen that over and over again. Uh, companies really need to, to get this right, and, and, and we're here to help. So, Kent, going back to where you started, um, you know, these measures, these principles we've discussed today can really help, down, help break down walls, uh, you know, many of the walls that we're seeing today. Uh, these principles, these initiatives can help break down walls day, to, day by day as people work in common cause. Uh, they can really strengthen reconciliation and civility in our workplaces. And our companies need this, uh, you know, and we all know the world needs this as well. Um, so listeners, we hope many of you will be a bold catalyst for this kind of change, uh, championing religious freedom and uh, faith and belief at work. Uh, so Kent, hey, this has been really fun. I really appreciated this uh, this conversation. Uh, to our listeners, again, we we invite you to be part of the conversation. Uh, please reach out to us. Help us know how we can help you and your organization. Uh, we're happy to have uh, conversations with you about your contexts. And again, I invite you to join us on December third at one p.m. Eastern for a summit: uh, How Embracing Religious Diversity and Inclusion Strengthens Workplaces. And more information on that can be found at religiousfreedomandbusiness.org. So in closing, thanks to the forum on workplace inclusion. This has been a wonderful opportunity. We're thankful for their partnership uh, and the good work that they're doing. And mostly of all, thanks to our listeners. Thanks for joining us today. And we look forward to continuing the conversation with you. Take care.
Thank you so much, gentlemen, for the wonderful podcast and so timely as we come so close to the holiday season. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. You can listen to other forum podcasts at our website, forumworkplaceinclusion.org forward slash podcast. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Thank you again for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you again for listening to the Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get updates and the latest episodes. Also, tell us what you think by reviewing our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much and have a great day. The Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast is recorded at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of the most diverse private colleges in the Midwest, Augsburg University offers more than 50 undergraduate majors and nine graduate degrees to 3,400 students of diverse backgrounds at its campus in the vibrant center of the Twin Cities and nearby Rochester, Minnesota location. Augsburg educates students to be informed citizens, thoughtful stewards, critical thinkers, and responsible leaders. And Augsburg education is defined by excellence in the local arts and professional studies, guided by the faith and values of the Lutheran Church, and shaped by its urban and global settings. Learn more at augsburg.edu.